Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Juliette Fay, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So why don't you tell us a bit about your background and how you found the principles? Okay, so I was a searcher and a seeker and had been, I think, from a young age. And so the principles came across my path at a time in my life, I guess, when I was in a period of struggling um, more intensely than I had been. And I loved the stories of how people where where you know how people find the principles or how the principles find them, whichever way you want to say. And I came across it randomly, you know, a, a video on YouTube, uh, actually through an email that I'd signed up to, but didn't usually read. <laughs> and it's funny, isn't it? Because I'm actually quite good at keeping my inbox clean of when I'm no longer interested in something, I tend to unsubscribe. And this one had had stayed there all these months and months and months. And I never opened them. And then one day the subject line just jumped out at me. And the webinar was called Can an Insight Cure PTSD? Oh, nice. And it was uh, Mary Schiller being interviewed by Molly Gordon, who's a dear friend. So I'm sorry, Molly, that I didn't open all those emails before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I didn't know much about PTSD. I didn't, uh, but I was aware it was considered a mental illness. And who knows why, but something really piqued my curiosity to the extent that it was a live hangout you could join and I missed it uh, and then went back searching through my emails to find it again because it pinged again in my head. And I've I've really learned to trust this now. You know, when something pings and you don't ignore it, it'll come back and just tap, tap, tap. And then <laughs> if you still ignore it, then it'll be bang, bang, bang. And so it goes. <laughs> so I went and I found the recording. I watched it. It was an hour and Mary Schiller talking about her experience of um, PTSD and how this thing called The Principles. And she'd read Michael Neal's book, I think his first book, perhaps, and had had a life altering uh, insight. And it really piqued my curiosity. 
I think that's all I can say at that point. There was like, there's something here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a very common story. I went off and just gorged and just on pre- principles, materials, webinars, books, anything I could get my hands on. And for quite a while, I went kind of really sort of deep into it. And I think, you know, the first thing that I saw that was so helpful to me at the time, which is kind of a maybe very obvious to maybe some people learn this already on the way, but somehow I kind of missed this one, which was that I am always at the effect of what looks true in my head at any given moment. If I if I believe what's going on in my head, then what I say and do will follow from that. And that's true for everyone else too. Now, that was so helpful because I'd spent decades trying to figure out and analyze why I was the way I was. And the way I was, was I had really unstable moods Mm. and to an extraordinary degree, Mm. um, which I, you know, I, I looked at everything that could from diet to genetics to you know therapy and uh, medication I mean like a lot of people I tried everything yoga affirmations eating kale running (laughs) (laughs) you know it was and some things were helpful for a while and I and I'm sure I now from this distance I guess I can see that you know we're always having insights so I would I was having insights, but things didn't, I guess, give me lasting change. Um, And so this little, really quite simple idea that we're just at the effect of what looks true in any given moment, even if two minutes later that changes and what you felt and thought five minutes ago looks ridiculous to you, in the moment, that's all that's going on. And I do remember when I saw that, there was this huge relief that all this analysing and trying to sort of get all my ducks in a row to to get this perfect outcome. Of course, perfect outcome was part of the problem. Perfect outcome (laughs) was, you know, a sane, sweet woman. That's what I wanted, Mm. (laughs) which is flawed, let's face it, as an objective. But it just took away such sort of layers and layers of complexity Mm. for me in that that's all that's going on. And I'd love to say that then everything dissolved and I was fine, but that's not what happened for me. That was the starting point. So it didn't necessarily mean, it certainly didn't mean I wasn't at the effect of upsetting distressing very insecure thinking I still was and still am (laughs) (laughs) but it took away the need to go down all this these rabbit holes of is it diet is it genetics is it nurture nature is it my my work is it my relationships is it where I live is it my bank balance because you can see I, I'm sure I wasn't alone in that many of us spend a huge amount of mental energy trying to figure out what the problem is 
and then trying to fix the problem. And sometimes we might, sometimes we don't. But I think for some of us, there's a pattern there that the seeking and working it out becomes an end in itself. Because part of us feels like we're doing something, we're trying to address it. And we actually just get very, very busy in our head. Mm-hmm. And out in the world, in, in my case, projects were one of my coping mechanisms. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Well, you said so many interesting things there. And I I had a, I had a huge insight while you were speaking. So, so many people who are on this show talk about all the things they've tried, myself included, you know, to fix themselves, quote unquote. And almost everyone to a person, including myself, says, you know, the things were helpful for a while. And I, my insight just then was that that's because our thinking shifts momentarily. You know, we think, oh, this is the thing that's going to fix me. This is the thing that's going to work. So, yeah, there's this honeymoon period because our thinking has changed. And then that, fa- of course, our thinking changes as it always does. And that fades away and we and then we're on to the search for the next thing so thank you for sharing that I really appreciate it (laughs) you're welcome well that's really that's really interesting what you said because not only does your thinking change but your thinking settles down Mm. yes because it looks like the solution is here yep and so all that stuff we have running about I'm wrong, it's wrong, that's wrong, you know, that's wrong, everyone's wrong, whatever it is, <laughs> quiets down. Yeah. And in that more settled mind, I mean, it, it looks very true to me that as the mind settles down, the body settles down. And a lot of the fixes we look at are trying to do that the other way around, trying to settle the mind to settle the body. And it's not to say, you know, some deep breathing doesn't calm the nervous system a bit but I think the the power of insight is something we kind of I know you're interested in and before our call I was sort of reflecting a little bit so yeah insight you know what what's what's kind of what is that and what why is it such a common term in this conversations around the principles and what's different about that from a good idea or you know a great strategy or and i i think for me it's a good idea or a great strategy is something that i might try and put into place in my life and i'll probably need prompts and reminders and i might have to check in with why i thought it was such good <laughs> and my experience is that kind of relies on willpower to keep moving it forward and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't whereas insight feels that it's raw is what I would call it mm-hmm. whereas a concept and an idea and a strategy is a bit abstract it's like oh that's up there it looks really great on this web page and now I've got to like pull it down and I've got to apply it and, you know, you can feel it, can't you? It's kind of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And an insight is feels more like something arises that you now know in your bones. Mm-hmm. 
And because you know it in your bones, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to apply it. And so behavior shifting or behaviors dropping away, whatever it is, happens with apparently without effort. But I'd, I'd, maybe I should pause there because I've got another piece that I'd like to say about insight as well. Right. Well, no, I I love what you're saying. And it yeah, it's, it, to, for me, it's pointing to that idea of freshness, you know, um, but you're also pointing to, it, for me, it f- often can feel like the thing was already there mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of awakening to it. So that's what I see in what you're saying. Yeah. So please continue. Oh, that's really nice. Mm. I really like that. Yeah, because it can have that quality of like, (laughs) of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you saying almost like I've always known this. I just didn't know that I did. Almost. Is that what I'm hearing? That that. Yeah, that's that's beautiful because it is, isn't it? Once it's like before we've seen it, we can't see it. It's invisible. (laughs) And in the moment of seeing, it has a rightness for us. You know, it's very tailored, I think, to each individual. And I, and I think the other thing that um, is, fascinates me about insight is I, I mean, I can share an experience I had on Salt Spring Island. It's not far from you. Sure. It's just where insight comes without any meaning or words or anything. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wouldn't have even called it an insight. Um, I was really, really lucky to get to go to the Salt Spring School, the three principal school on Salt Spring Island with uh, Chip Chipman and Elsie Spittle uh, in 2017. And I was, it was early in my principal's journey and I, I'd been around it for a couple of years and I was having an incredible few months just prior to going out there, a very kind of expanded feeling state. Um, I can remember driving back from London to West Wales, where I live, which is about a five hour drive down a a motorway, down a freeway um, after a three principles training weekend. And the beauty of the autumn leaves on the embankment on the side of this freeway, you know, I just was welling up and welling up and welling up. And again, no, no words, just this beauty filling me up in a way that you almost felt, I almost felt like I can't contain it. It's too beautiful. You know, it's like, and this was happening a lot. I was often just had water falling out my, (laughs) my eyes. (laughs) And I went to Salt Spring Island and I had just met the man who's now my husband. We were there together so that there is, I should mention that because that was, we were on a trip together there. But I sat in the three-day school and I just literally had water falling out of my eyes. I wasn't crying in the kind of sense of being upset. And I was... I was also moving around, going to lunch, you know, in the evening, get together with people. And I sat through the whole school and I can't tell you anything that anybody said. (laughs) And I even watched some of the recordings they put out after the school. And I was like, was I there? Because I, I don't remember anything that they said. Wow. But there was this, what looking back it's really interesting actually telling you about it now 
I suppose I would say now that something was touched inside of me and all this was like a clearing or a cleansing Mm. and I had no words for it then and you know I still have no words for what really was happening Mm -hmm. but it was so outside anything I've ever experienced Mm. that I also didn't have any questions Mm. (laughs) you know I didn't I wasn't disturbed or even confused and I just remember that everything on Salt Spring looks so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and and I and I suppose what's coming to me right now is I think I was surrendered in that time Mm. and what a beautiful beautiful feeling that is when we give up the fight. Wow. Yeah. Oh, what an experience. And walking away from that. So when this, when the school was over, what was that like for you? Well, this very expanded state continued to some extent, I had a few days in Vancouver afterwards before I flew back. And again, I remember wandering around the city, just being delighted, you know, by there's some concrete works. You might know it on, is it? I can't remember the, exactly the name of the place. And they've, they've painted them. So they're mm. huge uh, structures with these gorgeous multicolored paintings. And uh, that was one of many things I just found absolutely <laughs> and all the travel too you know I'd never been to North America although I've traveled a lot elsewhere and I I, it was a dream like you know getting the plane back getting back from London back here and um, and it and I think it's quite a common story you know with people who've been around this I think I would say I had a sort of year maybe more maybe 18 months maybe two years of just Oh, all my problems have gone away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and I think that it's very interesting because you're what you've just seen earlier in the call about when we try different things and our our thinking shifts or settles or whichever it is, which which allows allows wisdom to come in, allows things, and then we might think that things on the outside are working. In a funny sort of way, I think I've seen this really powerfully. I think I need to see, I obviously obviously need to keep seeing this, is that I somehow took the credit for what had happened. (laughs) You know, it's a bit sort of like, oh, go me. You know, I'm a really calm, (laughs) I'm that calm, you know, person I always wanted to be well hey (laughs) aren't I great (laughs) and it's really subtle I think that you you don't realize you're doing that you know I I was just very relieved and I was just really enjoyed you know that and and met some wonderful people and wonderful teachers through that time and I was working as a facilitator myself and um and then it's really interesting that in the last, I'd say, kind of year, 18 months, the mood swings and things for me came back. Mm. And it's very humbling. 
Because mm. you kind of think, ah, you know, I've graduated. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, this is ongoing and it is very humbling. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I was speaking to Maurice Godet Copin on a previous episode, and she had a similar experience for her. It was panic attacks and uh, physical symptoms that she headaches, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that's so that's really interesting. And, and so what did you what have you seen anew when your mood swings returned? Anything you could share? Yeah, I think my first reaction was disappointment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, these again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, I'm really glad you've asked the question because just just now, as you were asking that, I thought, yeah. So I immediately went into a lot of thinking mm-hmm. about mood swings, which mm-hmm. is a very old track for me. Because I spent decades thinking about them. <laughs> so I've just seen that, that 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 wants to kind of get going again. And so I sort of have an idea, and it was one shared with me by some uh, wonderful teachers, Ian uh, Watson and Carol Burroughs, that things come back around mm. because there's something to see something further, something deeper to see. And perhaps, you know, they would phrase it in terms of to see either again or more deeply the nature of the illusion. Mm. And and when we I'm saying things come back around again, and I, I can really see that where that's gone on in my life, it might be a similar circumstance. It might be a thought pattern habit. Um, it might be a behavior. Um and sometimes, you know, you can be in a completely different situation, but it's got a, it's got a very old, familiar feel. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really funny. I, I wrote a couple of poems called Old Tracks 1 and 2. And it's very much about falling into the that habitual old thought patterns. And, you know, they're kind of curious because at one level, they're familiar and they're comfortable. But then I think as our understanding deepens, they become uncomfortable. And I I often feel like I should be in kindergarten with the principals. <laughs> like I'm a very slow and slightly stubborn learner. Mm. Because often I see something, but it doesn't, I see it and it's it's helpful to see, but it doesn't necessarily immediately change what's going on for me. And I think one of the sort of deeper lessons for me is that I've seen and felt what it is to be in a beautiful feeling, to be in the flow of life. And it's it's gorgeous. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in that? Mm-hmm. But there's a sort of busy mind part of me that would when things aren't like that, which is often, you know, often it's not my uh, my head wants to get busy mm-hmm. that old impulse to try and figure it out and fix it which went quite quiet for quite, quite a long time kind of wants to come up again mm-hmm. so 
this time around, what it feels like is you know, for me, I, I was on a an episode of another podcast which was called The Beautiful Feeling, and we, we talked a little bit about it. And really I'm always curious about how deeply can I listen. Mm. And I, what I'm sort of, where I'm at, I guess, with it right now is that I have a sense that this is asking me to to get quieter, mm-hmm. to listen more deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything else that I might want to tweak and adjust, and and I am messing around with, you know, diet and things, which is very familiar. You know, going back through those those things. Not to say some of that might be helpful. I'm menopausal, so you know, there's there's always things we can do. But I can feel the difference. Like my busy mind really likes the idea of eating more broccoli or whatever it is. <laughs> because it's it's got a sort of um seek and destroy, you know, hunting and 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 finding a solution and it's got that feel to it which is very familiar and used to bring a a limited amount of satisfaction let's face it Mm -hmm. whereas getting really really quiet doesn't have that little pull push pull Mm -hmm. and it's funny that we i said about surrendered because i think that's really what life is asking of me to mm. go deeper into not knowing mm-hmm. and one of the things that I noticed in the disappointment is as soon as we make our experience wrong it shouldn't be happening I should know better it's just more busy thinking and it also then we're listening to that we're just listening to that noise again, mm-hmm. which prevents us from falling into a quieter space. Well, I don't want to say prevents us because I do think it's all I if I'm in a beautiful feeling, I feel gratitude. I don't really think that I engineer that beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I can get in the way of it, but I'm not sure that I can click my fingers and go right to be here now but being still is like an act of faith that in looking towards the stillness I'm inviting a quieter a felt sense of presence in and in that I do know that's where the answers are Mm. but it feels often that my busy mind wants to go off and, and be clever and and go, yeah, yeah, no, but what about this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I was listening to uh, a conversation between, well, with Dr. Bill Pettit the other day, and he was talking about presence. And it struck me, I was going through a period of a pretty low mood, like depression at the time. And it's, It struck me to wonder what it would be like to just be present with that feeling. And I've been 
exploring that lately, not, you know, not trying to change it, not trying to make it better, make it go away, any of those things. And I think that's what you're pointing to. I'm just saying it in slightly different words. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it is because I think when we feel bad or off, it can be Pavlovian to just want to push that feeling away. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't got time for this, you know, I'm too busy or there's important things to do, or it just feels lousy, you know, just get away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think there's something really beautiful in that. If, if I love this expression, there are no mistakes mm. yeah. in relation to our experience. And, you know, really, by the time you have an opinion about how you feel, it's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like you have it, you have some feeling, it might be a sensation, it might be an emotional feeling, and then your mind gets busy making whatever it makes of that. Mm-hmm. But really, it's all after the effect, you know, it, it, as in... I love the way that the principles teachings and Sid Sid Banks, you know, very famous quotes, I'll paraphrase, but that really happiness is one thought away. Sadness is one thought away. And from that, you know, if you're feeling low, you can take that and beat yourself up with it. And go, I should find the happy thought. I should find the happy thought. <laughs> Which we know it, it just makes you feel worse because fundamentally you're saying that how I feel is wrong and what you're pointing to is well what happens if I just come into acceptance I guess that right now this is what's here in my experience Mm -hmm. and I think that in itself just opens a little bit of space I don't know have you found that and what did you find when you when you lent into that I found peace for one thing, because I wasn't pushing against it and doing all the things you've just mentioned, you know, saying to myself, this shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening? What have I done wrong? How can I fix it? All that stopped and went away. And the feeling I really get that I love when I do that is it's like I'm sitting with the feeling as a really good friend So I feel this um, lovely feeling of, yeah, just complete acceptance and presence and that, that the depression (laughs) appreciates that from me, you know, just like a good friend does when we sit with them without trying to change them or fix them or anything like that. Yeah. That's been my experience. (laughs) That's just so beautiful, isn't it? Mm, Yeah. It was lovely. And it's it's such a lovely direction to look in because it's the love part of love and understanding. Yeah. You know, when we're down there kind of battling with our own mind, trying to see more or get insights, you know, the feeling isn't there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and we can do that. Like I I've seen this about the principles, so I, I should I should be able to get myself out of this. But what you did there was just so beautiful. It's like I just had an image as well of that kind of catching and holding, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lovely wool blanket or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so funny because it's really the most natural thing in the world to do. 
you you mm. alluded to that if you were with a friend generally speaking if we're settled that would be instinctive yeah and yet it's very common that people in their own distress can go in the other direction of, mm-hmm. of and and really you know we might call it self criticism or self judgment but that it's just thought it's just more um it's just more sensation moving through mm-hmm. in a way it, you know we don't always think of thought as sens- sensory based but i'm kind of beginning to wonder these days if it isn't actually slightly sensory based we certainly react to thought in our body but actually at the level of you know the mental level i'm just very curious about that is it a sensory experience <laughs> and anyway, yes yeah well and this brings me to a question that i sent you in advance about control you have a a podcast episode um with carla royal on your website about control and it struck me well a couple things i guess um when you talked about the experience of you know, driving on the motorway away from the retreat in London and and being on Salt Spring and having that beautiful expanded experience. You, Juliet, didn't create that. You know, it it just came. And then when it leaves, you don't control that either. So yeah, I just I'd love for you to talk about the illusion of control and and how um how it holds us prisoner, which is what something that you said in the in the podcast. Yeah, well, yes, Carla Royal, my my co-host, when we did those wonderful warm woman, and we had some amazing conversations there. Yeah, control. I think it's like so many of our kind of negative thoughts. It's a very compelling feeling, and and it has this urgency in it. And one of the um, other things we sort of is related to this that we might talk about is, I think I also said something to the effect that love is behind yes. every feeling. And I was pondering again on this, as I, I said it a little while ago, and it it really looks to me that even when you look at all the behaviours that come out of fear, and control is is one of the number one behaviors to come out of fear i mean why Mm. do we try and control things we control things because we think we're not safe Mm -hmm. that might be physically not safe emotionally not safe um it not safe from existential threats um and you know it goes without saying that you know if if you're about to fall into a sinkhole or there's bombs going to drop on you you don't need me or Alexandra to tell you how to deal with that. Your instincts will kick in and you'll be hopefully off or hide or whatever it is. But we're talking about control in which is an over, often an overreaction to an imaginary threat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a psychologist, but I think psychologists can, you know, will see patterns of where you might be responding to something because of something that's happened in the past and, you know, talk about triggers and all this kind of thing. But what's so lovely about the principles is that they'll point to the fact that it's back to my first insight, really. You have a thought in your mind that looks true. It doesn't really matter if it is true to anybody else. (laughs) If it looks true to you, 
then this amazing body-mind system will kick in and do what it thinks it needs to do to protect you. And that can be fight, flight, you know, one's probably faint, freeze. I think there's more. But control looks in that moment, like if you literally were faced with a savage beast attacking you, then all those responses would be appropriate and and wise. But because the reason I said that control creates a prison is that in daily life, if our system is responding as if we were living with a savage beast, then your life becomes about survival. And I mean, it's very interesting when the body's mind is severely threatened. I've always been fascinated with the idea that it shuts off various um, functions that are not critical to life, like digestion would Mm -hmm. be one. And so when you think about it, it is a kind of, this is where the love piece comes in. Your whole body-mind system, because I think at the core of us is a love of life. And by life, I mean this spirit energy, this intelligent energy that that lives us. You were sort of touching on that. And control weirdly, I mean, I'm just seeing this as I talk to you, you know, is about, given what looks true up here, the body-mind doing its utmost to keep you alive and safe. Mm. And when you see it in that, through that perspective, it is actually a very beautiful thing. Mm. And on, on my kind of journey, I've come to be grateful for my many and varied coping mechanisms <laughs> that I deployed where I where I judged them harshly and resented them and worried about them. And I've come to see a certain beauty in the ways that I kept going, mm-hmm. doing what looked like, you know, the best I had with with what I understood. And so the prison is is a sort of paradox in that, in the in the sort of personal thought system you're living in, it is keeping you safe. Yep. And that's the principles in action working perfectly. And as the illusory nature of those fears falls away, and for some it falls away incrementally, very much in my case, and they haven't all gone. But at the core of it, you know, I think when you hear stories of people's sudden kind of collapsing of of a lot of insecurity, it looks to me that what is being felt and really discovered or revealed, back to your point at the beginning, what's uncovered is that safety is is. Well, it's both an illusion, but it's what's really inside us is perfect health mm-hmm. at, at that more essential level. Mm. And I, 
every time I see a little bit more of that, I feel really grateful. And then I bump into things in my life that show me that there's still more layers there for me. There's still more to see. And this conversation is is really touching me because I think at the core of it, we are safe. How could we not be? I mean, life, as you said, is living us. And and it knows how to do that far better than we do. <laughs> so thank you, because this this invitation to surrender, which I think life gives you, you, me, all of us at every turn. Is it might come off in little bits, but it's always pointing you towards you have everything you need and you can let go. But you'll only let go when you're ready. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautifully said. Thank you. Um, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that because it it was <laughs> it was so deep. I I think I missed some of it. So th- yeah, really, thank you for that. That was beautiful. Um, we're coming close to the end of our time together. Is there anything we haven't touched on today that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I think. I think something that is really helpful to me as I go through and deepen the two things really is one is, you know, don't be afraid to own your interest and your exploration as a valuable thing in your life sort of you know stand tall with that because you're being called you know make no mistake back to your point it's not us thinking oh one day oh perhaps I'll look at spiritual matters (laughs) (laughs) and I do believe we're part of something wider and bigger you know there are many many people all across the planet who are drawn to what I call home that's not a coincidence you know so be proud and be stand tall in that exploration because you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for, it ripples out everyone you come into contact with and beyond in ways you can never see. And then just in case we start taking it too seriously, my second side of it is lighten up, enjoy <laughs> what there is to enjoy, give yourself a break. You can't force any of this and you can't be asleep on the watch Mm. (laughs) because so much is percolating under the surface, you know, like that insight in Salt Spring. Like you said, there's no way I could have engineered that. Mm -hmm. So I think all we, you know, I love the sort of Buddhist idea of relaxed and alert. Mm. There's just less to do than we think, you know. So true. Yes, absolutely. Well, Juliet, this has been amazing. So where can we find out more about you and your work? Okay, well, I have a website, which I'm sure you'll probably um, point people to, but it's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E dot org. And there's a blog on there and there's the podcast episode. So can people can contact me through there. I'm not super active on social media, so... I post mainly pictures of landscapes um, 
that's my one of the things I love to do so if people want to find me on there you can look up my name on Instagram or Facebook Um, I say I'm not very interactive or active (laughs) right (laughs) okay great well I will yes I'll put a link uh, to your website in the show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com well thank you so much for being with me here today it's been a real pleasure talking to you oh it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for asking me all right take care bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening i hope you found the show helpful and uplifting you'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time!